Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 10, 2013, and today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in Chapter 6, entitled Into Action, on page 76, the second paragraph, beginning with When Ready. And today's readers are Devora. Do, Paula, and Melanie. The share ID for Monday, September 9th, 5112. That's 5112. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Amy, press star one to unmute. Thank you. I apologize. Good morning, everyone. Amy W., uh, compulsive overeater. Number one, the steps, number one. We admitted, as we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, made direct amends to such people, nine, I apologize, nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Amy. 
I will now call on Ann S. to read the 12 Traditions. Uh, hi, good morning, uh, the 12 Traditions. This is Ann uh, S. from uh, Pennsylvania. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group shall be autonomous except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, Rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in chapter 6, Into Action, on page 76, the second paragraph, beginning with, When Ready. And I will ask Devora to begin reading, please. Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Devora in New Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Um, When ready, we say something like this, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. And this is this is a very beautiful prayer, step seven prayer. And I remember 
hearing it way before I was up to step seven. And I said to my sponsor, can I say this prayer every day? And she said, well, did you do your other steps? Are we up to that yet? And I said, no. She said, well, you'll say it when you, when the time is right. When you're up to there, that's when you'll say it. Don't jump ahead. And although I've taken the step seven after I even my fifth, I did my fifth step and did my sixth step and, um, you know, and I, I still say this, I say this every single morning because um, my character defects are still there and I am a work in progress. They just don't disappear. You know, things come up, things crop up and my character defects can be glaring and I need to say this prayer um, to note to remember who I go to with my, with anything that crops up, you know, I can't do this, only God can, and he can take it from me, so, um, this is an important prayer that I keep with me, and I utilize it, um, and with that, I'll pass, thank you. Thank you, Devorah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Do. Do, please go ahead. Good morning, do compulsive reader I know it. Wow. Um, when when I got to the step, it's a simple step, but it's a very, very profound step. And I like to go into the 12 and 12 because it gives a little bit more uh, of a clarity on the step and, and what it means to have humility. It's on page 75. I'm going to start the reading there. It says, during this process of learning more about humility, the most profound result of all was the change in our attitude towards God. Um, that's one, our change in attitude toward God. And this was true whether we had been believers or unbelievers. We began to get over the idea of a higher power was a sort of Bush League pinch hitter to be called upon only in an emergency. The notion that we would still live our own lives God helping a little now and then began to evaporate. Many of us who had thought ourselves religious awoke to the limitations of this attitude. Refusing to place God first, we had deprived, our, we had deprived ourselves of his help. But now the words of myself, I am nothing, the Father does the work, began to carry bright promise and meaning. We saw we didn't know, always need be bludgeoned and beaten into humility. It could come quite as much from our voluntary reaching for it as it could from unremitting suffering. A great turning point in our lives came when we sought for humility as something we really wanted rather than something we must have. It marked the time when we could commence to see the full implication of step seven, humbly ask them to remove our shortcomings. And what I see at this um, step seven is that now I am asking God to do whatever he thinks is best for me, um, that you should have all of me, good and bad. Um, I'm praying that you, God, not me, remove from me every single defect, the character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. In other words, um, I'm asking God to help to shape and mold me as he decides um, and for God to do, uh, you know, that God does not need my help to do his job, that this step is not asking me to, for me to remove my defects and run the show like I have done in the past of being self-sufficient, 
but it is for God to do whatever he wants with me in whatever order he wants and however he decides in whatever time he dictates. All I'm asked to do in this step is to humble myself before God willingly. Uh, not, not like I said, not unwillingly, um, like I would do before, only when I needed him. But it's asking me to, to willingly ask for his strength to do his bidding and let him run the show. Um, just making that commitment to let him run the show and mow me as he would like. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally from South Jersey. I heard Sally, and who else? Kim. Kim. Let's go Sally and Kim, and then we'll come together. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Sally recovered in Mm -hmm. South Jersey. Of course, I love this prayer. I, I sing this prayer every night before I go to sleep. I put it to music. I think it's just a very beautiful, beautiful prayer. But I want to start with this word, these words, my creator. How fabulous is it that we come together with all our different mm-hmm. religions um, and we can come together under, this, under these words, my creator. It takes away all the divisiveness. Uh, when we when we look at the many places in this big book that talk about um, how we all come from different different areas, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of page 17. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship of friendliness and understanding, which is indescribably wonderful. We are like the passenger of, of a great liner, the moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. We come together under these words, my creator, and we take this we take this extremely important step. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. And when I look at those words, that you should have all of me, I'm reminded of who I was before I took these steps. I thought I had such a close walk with my creator, but in truth, There were shadows. There were shadows about me. I cowered from my creator because of the bad things I didn't like about myself, because of the things that I was not willing to let go of, behaviors that I was not willing to let go of. And so I cowered, and I kept part of me away from from my creator. And what my creator has asked me to do is just such a blessing. It's such an incredible miracle that he's not just said to me, I am willing to help you put the food down, Sally. In fact, I will do it for you if you will just come to me. But here I see very clearly that my creator is telling me, Sally, you don't have to read any more self-help books. And if you only saw my library, you would see the shelves of self-help books Mm -hmm. that speak on this. I... I don't have to do that. I don't have to change me anymore. I don't have to fix me anymore. That my higher power, my creator, is letting me know that he is willing to remove every single defect of character from me which stands in the way of my usefulness to him and to my fellows. And this is the miracle of this program to me. I was so focused for so many years on the food on putting down the food, on abstinence. That was my whole 
That was the panacea of my life, was to put the food down, to be abstinent. And that is no longer what is the, the panoramic view that is in front of me. What is important is that I allow my creator to pervade every part of who I am. He will recreate me into who I was always meant to be. My identity is in him. No longer going through the soup of all these self-help, self-reliance books. I am now resting in his hands, and he should have all of me. He is my creator, all the good, all the bad, and he will remove every single defect of character. He will do the work all the way through each and every one of these steps. I surrender. I surrender the outcome of who I will be. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you. Kim, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Tim J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. You know, when we started out this process, what were we told that the one um, purpose of this inventory was? It was to find damage and unsaleable goods. So why are we turning over the good stuff to God? Well, by doing the work, by going through this process, I am finding out those things that I thought were good were actually some of my greatest hindrances to a higher power. Because if you had asked me before these process, what are some of your assets, Kim? I would have said, well, I'm very independent. I'm very self-sufficient. But I am being taught through this process that my self-sufficiency my independence, I was always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives were good. That at my best, I was a producer of confusion rather than harmony. You know, I always said that I was a people pleaser. I was so nice. I was always kind. But when I went through this process, specifically with those four columns, and I looked where I was self-seeking, my, in self-seeking, that's where I was the people pleaser. I am going to do what I want to do for you so that you will like me. I will do for you so that I get what I want. I will manipulate you so I can get my way. So what I learned through this process is I cannot differentiate the good from the bad. I do not know. So I am going to turn this all over to God. I am not going to make judgments on what's good or bad. I'm going to turn it all over to God. You know, one of the statements I use throughout my day when I'm confused, when I am unsure, is I do not know my own best interests. I do not know my own best interests. I cannot judge good or bad. So I am going to turn that all over to God. You know, at the end of this chapter, it's going to say that we are alcoholics or undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. And so what is that discipline? That discipline is through step seven, I'm going to turn over everything, good and bad, and recognize that God will let God will guide me. My judgment, my best thinking got me crawling into the rooms of OA. So I am no longer going to use my best thinking to figure out how to do things. So I am simply going to ask God, my creator, my higher power, 
to take all of me, to do with me what as he wilt. And in that way, I can learn and I can grow and I can move towards the person that God always intended me to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Marjorie. This is Paula. May I share? Marjorie and then Paula. This is Marjorie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. One of the things that I wrestled with in regard to the Step 7 prayer was the wording. Initially, for, for a period of time when I would use the prayer, I used the wording from the book. But as I grew as my mind cleared over time. I felt that I was not connecting with the words of the prayer. And I began to seek some guidance about that. I talked with other recovered compulsive overeaters. I talked with other people who were recovered in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I wanted to find out whether I could vary the words, whether I could change the words. And what I found out, and then I experimented with it, which which really clinched it for me, what I found out was that I could use the words that conveyed the sense, the attitude of Step 7, as people have been describing this morning, that I could use my own words. And it was also pointed out to me that back on page 63 when I was taking the third step, that the book actually tells me that I could make some variations in how this was expressed. The form of expression that was applied in the book back in step three didn't necessarily, it, it wasn't the form that was important it was the actual expression. It was what was behind it. What was the substance? What was, where was my heart? And the same thing that I could experiment with in step seven was where was my heart? Thank you for listening. I pass. Thank you, Marjorie. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'd like to go to that Scoot down to that I. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character. Why? Because it stands in the way. You can't go by it, honey. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. I tried it all. It stood in the way of my usefulness to you, to my God my creator, as it began with, and my fellows, and my fellows. And there it was. This comes in an order. We do steps four and five and six because those things that we had hidden for so long, those things that, as you say, we thought perhaps were so good. Oh, pride right there. Take another look. Take another look. Did it stand in your way? Oh, that it did. I couldn't come to that place of being recovered. And then there were the steps presented to me. And I looked at four. And I looked at five with another in God himself. I looked at six. And we just passed that paragraph. Oh, no, but it's still right there again. 
God removed from us all the things which we have admitted. There it is. Finally, I finally saw and I admitted, and they are objectionable. They are. They're not useful to me, to God, or to my fellows. So they stood in my way, and they were removed. And look at what he says after that. Grant me strength as I go out from here. It's not just at a meeting. It's all through life. It's with family. It's with friends. It's with employees. It's with spouses. To do your bidding. To know your bidding. And then we do it. And it ends with, Amen. But it really is a beginning, isn't it? Thank you very much for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Rose. Rose, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. This is Rose, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from New York in Boston right now. But there's two um, two words here in this prayer. Um, this is a, a prayer I also use daily upon arising and throughout the day because um, it says everything that I need in the present moment to connect me up with God. But the two words in the first two sentences are now. My creator, I am now willing. Um, and that 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 word for me is the one that takes the entire, everything I uh, was guided through in these steps puts me into the present moment that right at this present moment now, which is all I have, that I am now willing, and it um, releases the past, it doesn't worry about the future, it puts me right now to ask God to take all of me. And I, from the very beginning, when I ever first read this prayer, that it was put in here, good and bad. That just spoke to my heart in such a way that all of me, whatever it consisted of, was being given over to God. And then the next sentence, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character. Every word here, there's like no excess anything in this one paragraph. Every single word, uh, although I do feel that same way about the entire big book, but this prayer particularly, um, I think it's step six that separates the boys from the men. And this, the action coming on, um, what step six is asking to be willing to have it all removed. This is the action that follows, putting it into the present moment. And for me, that is such a sanity maker because Right here, right now, at this present moment, is it. It's where I have access to God, access to connection with anybody around me, and um, access to the action of doing the step seven. And I, my own experience, as I've said throughout the day, as well as when I went through the steps and did take it following my sixth step, that it releases me 
from the burden of this uh, entire self and for that present moment connects me up with the power that is needed to continue in all of the 12 steps. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Meg? Go ahead, Meg. Thank you. Good morning. This is Meg, recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. Very grateful to be here for the seventh step prayer. And I'm just going to go right down to the very end of that prayer. Amen. And you may notice that the third step prayer, that does not have an amen. That does not have an amen. And when I say these prayers, sometimes I say them together because they they make a beautiful prayer paired together, and then you have this amen at the end to finish them. And what does amen mean? Well, it's transliterate, transliterated from Hebrew into both Greek and English. And you'll see that it refers to the faithful God, to the God of truth. And these, when we finish this prayer, if you see that you see this amen and you think, yes, God is faithful. Yes, he is truthful. And he will remove these things from me in his time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Meg. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, would like to comment on this uh, paragraph on step seven. You know, like step six, it's uh, only one paragraph in the in the big book. But unlike step six, step seven, there are no instructions included in here. It's a, it's a prayer. It's, uh, you know, implied that it is a prayer. So it's saying here, when ready, we say something like this, meaning that the wording uh, could be, you know, altered if we choose. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. Um, You know, I'm asking God uh, to take me. I mean, that's the way I looked at it. You know, I was kind of throwing myself at God here, uh, asking him to remove my shortcomings. It's It's another type of surrender. I mean, my initial surrender, um, you know, was the fact that I was eating with a sense of desperation and urgency that I had never known before. Uh, this surrender, in in my mind, uh, was more pronounced in nature than my initial surrender, because that initial surrender was born out of sheer despair over my powerlessness and the sense of this runaway train that I could not stop called my disease of compulsive overeating. Um, But, you know, in the seventh step, it was a new level of surrender. There was a new level of surrender I had realized uh, because of this work, because it was the first time I was examining my personality and how it had developed over years of self-will run riot 
you know, through the use of, of step four and five, of course, um, that I had to accept not only my compulsive overeating, but also the shortcomings related to my compulsive overeating. That if my mind remained the same, if the conditions within my mind remained the same, that always was going to drive me back eventually to that first bite. So my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad, you know, reminding me of, of that, um, that surrendering of my will in my life that I made in step three. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you. This is not about me feeling good or bad or being a good person or being comfortable or being happy. Um, can you please remove from me the obstacles that prevent uh, your, the flow of your power through me? You know, can you, can you please remove what stands in my way of my usefulness to you? My, my whole desire now is to serve you. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. So I'm asking, um, you know, knowing that my will is a decision to align, to align myself with God's vision now. I, I have free will. You know, God respects my free will. If I insist on it, he will let me use my free will until it kills me. So I'm asking God here, grant me strength. Please, God, give me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding, to align myself with your will. And as long as I place self-reliance first, genuine reliance on God is out of the question. But what if I place my reliance on you, God? What if I'm asking you to give me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding, to do your work, and to align myself to your principles? I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in a humble way. This, this, it, right? Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. This, this humility, it's not the same as humiliation. It's, it's, it's an attitude of humility means that I have a realistic view of myself and my place in the world. You know, it, it means that I understand my role in my recovery and I appreciate my strengths and my limitations. And so I'm humbly asking for God, please, God, remove these shortcomings. So, and I'm giving you complete license to do that, to work in my life, believing that your wisdom, God, far exceeds my own. But also, also for me personally, reminding myself, I have no power over character defects, but I have responsibility for how it manifests in my behavior, meaning God gives me free will. So when I read this last statement here, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding, meaning God can give me strength, but I too have responsibility in this dance. There's a dance here between grace and willingness. God always will give me that grace. Am I willing to do his bidding? Am I willing to align myself with his vision? with the principles of this program. And with that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, this is Sheila. Sheila, your turn. Thank you. My name is Sheila H., compulsive overeater from New York. Thank you so much for um, the reading of this and for your sharing. What has helped me to um, stay on point with this particular 
steps as I'm doing my recovery work, I look at the gifts that God has given me because I come from a compare and despair. You know, I'm always sizing up, am I doing what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. It's kind of been a learned behavior, and it's taken some time to rewrite that um, tape that goes off in my head from my upbringing about that. But what I, when I feel that tape go off, I say to myself, am I being of service? Am I thanking God for the gifts that he's given me? Never mind what I don't have. Look at what God has given me, the gifts that he's given me, and how am I thanking him and praising him for what he's given me and if I have been of service today. And that has helped me a great deal to um, quiet that compare and despair when it starts in my mind. Just look at the gifts that he's given me and what have I done today to thank God for the gifts that he gave me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Let's move on to the next paragraph now with Du. Good morning. This is Du, and I'm a compulsive overreader. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without work is dead. Look at eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask humbly until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we should go to any length for victory over alcohol. Wow. This is uh, one of my two favorite steps. Um, you know, and as long as I follow clear-cut direction, um, I should not go wrong with this step. And it simplifies this for me, so it it just makes it very easy. Um, one is saying that <laughs> we need more action. So it's, it's more work to be done. Um, you know, it says faith without works is dead. And, and faith, you know, is the confidence that I have in God. You know, if if I have confidence that God is either everything or he is nothing, that's that's what I'm saying here. You know, faith without works. Do I have the confidence in God that he's going to take me through the rest of the work? Um, because if I don't have that confidence, then the works that I do from this point on are dead, you know. Um, I have to have confidence in God. I have to give it all to God. And we've already considered the seven-step prayer, which already has helped me <laughs> to make that commitment and uh, in going forward. Um, I'm going to let God help me in this step, right? Um, and then we see we have made a list of all the persons we have harmed and whom we are willing to make amends. And I'm like thinking at this point, are you kidding me? I've just made a self-appraisal listing and illuminating every twist of character, every cranny, dark past that I've had withholding nothing. And now they're asking me to do another list. Um, and here we can take it easy because it says we've made it when we took the inventory. So the list is already done. All we're going to do is transfer it over and really subject ourselves to drastic self-appraisal and look at where we have harmed others. Um, we've already already done that. Also, um, you know, when we look at step four and um, 
and it says putting out of our minds the wrongs we had done others, we resolutely look for our own mistakes where we never had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Um, though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. And we've already listed those faults. We've already listed where we have harmed others. So it's a matter of just looking at that and then just going at it to repair the damage. Um, you know, another thing that I had to look at when I, I was looking at this is that I, I was like that tornado that was running in the lives of others and uh, uh, wreaking havoc all over the place and coming out of the cellar like that, man, and saying there's no there's no damage here, Ma, you know, everything's just fine. And um, the steps show me that I have more work to do. I have a reconstruction period, long re- reconstruction period to go through the, this process. But, you know, half the work is already done, you know, in making that list. Um, so it's now uh, redoubling my efforts to go about and repair the damage of the past. Um, you know, sweeping away every debris that's accumulated and not running the show myself because I'm going to have God's help, which is awesome because by this point in time, I should have a working relationship with God. Um, You know, and it says that if I don't have the willingness to do this, that I can ask for the willingness to come, and it, it really does. And I'm so excited because I'm I'm actually at this step right now where I have made my list. I have gone out to make my amends. I'm in the midst of making my amends. And, you know, it's an awesome experience um, because it it really has shown me that the more I do this work, the more um, I submit myself to God and I go and, and – and make the effort to repair those relationships. What I've seen in my experience is that things change, people change, circumstances change. Nothing, absolutely nothing stays the same. And that's a big, big, huge relief for me because people grow up, people mature. Um, you know, they're not, they're not in the same place. And then, you know, in, in other, in other situations, they are the same and, and they're not going to change. And, but I don't have to worry about that today. You know, all I have to do is take responsibility for my behavior, for my actions, for my thinking, and let God mold me into the person that he wants me to be. And he does that every single time I go and make one of these amends, every single time. Either the, the, the relationship repairs, gets repaired, or it gets discarded. And I don't have to worry about the results. I just have to do the work. You know, God takes care of the results. And it's been an awesome, awesome experience to go through this journey. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Stu. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Miriam. Miriam and then Janice, please. Thank you, Leah. This is Miriam calling from Israel, a compulsive overeater, living in the solution one day at a time. So grateful to be here and to be listening to all your shares. It really builds my heart. It's uh, the language of the heart, how they say, and uh, it really builds me up. I believe it's the best thing that I can ever have had in my life, you know, much better than any, all my master's degrees in universities, you know, this here is about building my my soul, building myself. It's just amazing. 
Well, we got here after we've been through, you know, the the first uh, few steps, you know, from four till seven, which there are the action steps, you know, in order to um, uh, to to ask God to unblock our um, the things that have been bothering us in order to connect ourselves with Him and with ourselves and with other people. So when when we get into step nine, eight and nine, which is uh, you know the last steps before we finish the um, the action uh, thing, uh, yeah, we are asked again to make a list of people that we have harmed. And um, you know, most of them, of course, they are already written in the in in the list in the fourth step. So we just um, I was asked by my sponsor to write them down and to identify, you know, who I was gonna, uh, you know, be doing a living amends and who I was gonna. I was going to do direct amends, and and of course for the people that are not here in this world anymore, uh, you know whether I was going to write it down or whether I was going to go to their grave or or whatever. But you know when I did the list, I before starting uh, to go to any any person, you know, to take the action and and go to to ask for my amends in a humble way as I could. I I did write down everything and I did discuss it with my sponsor because she 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 was another uh, you know opinion of what to say or not to say in order not to make the situation you know even worse. So um, I'm just so grateful to be here and so grateful to be trudging the road with with you. And you know we all have a, a two choice you know every moment you know either. We go and we keep working the steps and we keep living by these steps, or we go the other way. Which, um, personally speaking, I I want to be as far away as possible with the help of God. There's so many miracles here that it's just unbelievable. And then with that, I pass. Thank you very much. I- Thank you, Miriam. Janice, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. More action, more action, more action, the big book says. You know, we've been we've been doing a lot, haven't we, if we've been working these steps. We've been doing a lot. And I'm reminded in step seven that we've just been talking about that, you know, that kind of restoration process is taking place because I'm building this new foundation that I'm living on and building this new way of thinking and thus this new way of acting on life. You know, those first steps got me right with God and then steps four and five started getting me right with myself, you know, making me, because I became willing, making me look at myself very clearly, looking at my character defects, looking at the ways in which I'm blocked, from God, looking at the ways in which I can build my character, rebuild my character and renew myself. And and I just want to add something that has become so meaningful to me because it, it was just such a great setup for me. It, if you have your 12 and 12 handy on page 108, it says in step seven, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we asked. So I looked at that and I said, okay, step seven is going to be a daily removal of my character defects. 
so that I'm ready to take more action. A daily removal of my character defects. Because I don't know about you, but for me, my recovery has been in direct proportion to my recognizing my need for help. Every day, one day at a time, my need for help. And it first had to come from my higher power. You know, God removed from me these things. You know, we ask every day. You know, all my character defects were not removed forever and ever. Amen. You know, they were not. They were removed on a daily basis under the conditions of whatever day I was facing and whatever circumstances and situations and people I was going to be in contact with. And that helped me take this next step because this next step, steps eight and nine, were going to get me right with other people so that I could continue to live this spiritual transformation. It wasn't going to happen any other way but one day at a time. And so now you're saying you have this list. You've been doing this work, the big book says. You looked at yourself. You looked at all your character defects. You looked at how you harmed other people. And now you're going to take this new information and you're going to take it out into the world and try to make right the things that you did. Try to make right those harms that you did in whatever way is possible, but you're going to continue to stay abstinent and you're going to continue to stay close to God and you're going to continue to have those character defects removed one day at a time so that you can keep building on this process. You know, what a great thing that is. That I'm going to be able to talk it over and ask for help. Ask for help with this. I talk to other people who have made amends. I talked with my sponsors. I talked with my fellows who are in the process of making amends, you know, so that we can gain strength from one another. Something wonderful happens when we ask for help. The power builds in us and through us and with us. We all have an opportunity to take more action and live a more spiritual way of life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I comment? Paula, go ahead. Thank you. This is Paula. I want to look at that line that it says, now we need more action. There's more? Oh, yes. Without which we find that faith without works is dead. Then what is faith with works? With works, it becomes alive, finally, and we see. And it tells us what we're to do, even in this paragraph, how we're to do it, and why, and why. And I'm going to go to the end. Remember, or did you forget? Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any length. They always put another word in to emphasize any lens for victory over alcohol. Finally, totally and completely, for today we are alive. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally in South Jersey. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Leah. It's still Sally recovering in South Jersey. 
I just want to take a look at this um, this word willing. And uh, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. And I must say that, um, as I've shared many times before, that steps eight and nine were truly my balking points. Um, I, I have to say mm-hmm. it took me a couple of months to finish my 89 amends. And the reason why it took me so long to finish the amends is because I, um, my sponsor had asked me to write letters to each of the people I was making amends to, whether they were living amends or whether they would be spoken face-to-face or whether they would be letters that would be sent. She asked me to write a letter to each one of them, and that was my way of, of uh, really searching, as we're told here to do, um, to really search. Uh, it says we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal, and it was really a drastic Thing that I was asked to do, to write these letters. And I remember how I wrote the letter to my ex-husband and the one to my, um, my mother-in-law <laughs> that um, I, when I wrote this letter to my ex-husband, I started the letter by saying, you were so lucky to have me. And I, I look back and I, I just have to laugh at the audacity of how I started this letter to my ex-husband, which of course I never sent or spoke to my ex-husband. But I remember how I wrote this letter and I had like three paragraphs of how lucky this guy was to have me before I got to my self-appraisal, my drastic self-appraisal, before I finally was willing to, to put the flashlight on me and why I needed to make amends to this man. And I remember when my sponsor, I mean, we, we didn't talk at this time because she would read the letters over the internet and then she wrote back and all she wrote was rewrite (laughs) and it was a rewrite and it was a rewrite that I had to make a few times and of course we did have to speak about it but the key thing in this steps eight and nine is that when we make these amends and when we sit down and write these letters we have got to divorce ourselves from any emotion that they should have been all handled in step four, any resentment, any anger, any um, fears, any of these other emotions should be handled. And when we get to this step, if we find these things cropping up, we have to, again, look at those, you know, and again, make peace with those things so that we can really work on this step. Steps eight and nine is very important to really make a drastic self-evaluation. Why, what harm did I do? Am I willing to finally take responsibility for my part? Because there's always my part. With that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally, and thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We're now out of time, and we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you please read a vision for you? I will happily and gladly as I turn to the page. At this point, you think the book would turn itself. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.